Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. The Bible tells us a very, very fascinating story about Joshua's battle with the five kings of the Amorites. The Amorite, you know, the five Amorite kings. The Bible told us that when they were fighting this particular battle, Joshua began to run out of time. He began to run out of daylight. And the Bible makes us to understand that he needed more time. He needed more daylight so that he can actually fight and win this battle. And the Bible tells us in verse number 12 of Joshua chapter 10, the Bible says that Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenged upon their enemy. Is this not written in the book of Jesha? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Isn't that cool? You tell the sun, it says, stop, just stop there. And the Bible says that it didn't stay there for a whole day. The sun did not go down. The moon did not come, you know, the moon did not come up. The question that comes to mind is that how come, you know, how, how was Joshua able to prolong the day? A mere man speaking to the heavenly bodies and telling the heavenly bodies to stop. How was Joshua able to command the sun to stand still? I want you to hold that thought. Just let that question linger in your mind. And I want you to look at you, open your Bible to the book of John, 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. The Bible tells us of another encounter. Between a man called Ahab, a king called Heba, very wicked, married to a very wicked woman called Jezebel. Bible says that he now had an encounter with another very powerful and very interesting character called Elijah. And the Bible tells us in the book of First Kings chapter seven, chapter 17 in verse number 1. Bible tells us that Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitant of Gilead said to, Gilead, said to, uh, said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain on there this years except at my word. In other words, I am telling you, the heavens are closed. No rain is coming down until I say so. Can you imagine? You walk into a place. Let's say you walk into the presidential palace and you say, today, in this city of Nashville, no rain for the next three years. They will look at you and say, you probably missed your meds, you know? Your injection, you probably need to go back and see your doctor because something is wrong. Nobody can stop the rain. But the Bible says that Elijah, as soon as he made that declaration, the heavens over Israel were closed. And there was no rain or dew upon the land for three years. And the Bible records that there was a serious famine in the land. You read, you know the story. And suddenly again, Elijah, Elijah just showed up out of nowhere. After three years that he has disappeared, after he just showed up out of nowhere. By the time you read the first Kings chapter 18, in verse number 41, he went back to that same Ahab and told him, he said, go up and eat and drink. 
for there's a sound of abundance of rain. In other words, I have come, I have now reversed the order, I have opened up your heaven. Isn't that amazing? When you have the power to lock up heaven, and you have the power to open it up again, the king of the country, the king of Israel called Elijah my father. Can you imagine? This is a guy who had no home, was walking up and down, and the king of the king of Israel had to accede to him. He had to respect him. Why? Because Elijah had the power to open up and to lock up the heavens. Hold that to you know. Let's and finally let's look at the book of Mark, chapter 4. The Bible tells us another fascinating story about man's power over the elements of nature. Bible tells us that they were that Jesus and his disciples were in the boat. There was a lot of storm that was going on in the sea uh, on, the, on that particular sea. And while the disciples were panicking and they were running from here to there, not knowing what was going to happen, the Bible said that Jesus Christ was upon the pillow, sleeping in the middle of the storm. And by the time you get to verse number 39, the Bible tells us, then they went and they were all panicking and they went and woke him up and said, Oh boy, what is wrong with you? How can you be sleeping in this kind of condition? The Bible said that then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, be still, you know, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And the Bible said that the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The question again is how was Jesus able to speak to the wind, speak to the sea and calm it down? How are you, how are you, how are you able to control the elemental forces and make them do what you want them to do? My brothers and sisters, there is power and there is power. There is a power that is a particular supervisor have over a group of people. There is a power that the mayor of a city have over a, over a city, the governor over a state, and the president over a nation. Okay? But all those are, that's at the level, that is at the physical level. All these are at the physical level. But there is a power that a man attains where he is able to command the forces of nature. There's a particular kind of power that you attain where you are able to speak to the sun and it will stand still. When you are able to close the heavens and the rain will not come. When you are able to speak to the sea and the sea will relax. When you are able to command the elemental forces and they obey your voice. After our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to the particular, spoke to the sea. And the seal calmed down. The Bible tells us that the disciples, they were so terrified that they started talking to one another. In verse number 41, they said, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what man of, what manner of man is this? That even the wind obey him. Not just human being. Even the wind obey him. The guy speaks and the wind listens. He speaks and the heavens listen. They come to attention. What kind of person is this? The people we read about in scripture, they operate at a particular spiritual level that many of us have no idea. Joshua, Elijah, Lord Jesus Christ were operating at a supernatural dimension that causes the elemental forces to listen to him. Now listen to them. And the interesting thing is that the Lord God Almighty wants you and wants me to operate at that same level. And that's why he tells us the book of the Bible tells us the book of Job chapter 22. If you read from verse number 28, say you will decree, decree and declare a thing and it shall be established for you so that the light will shine in your way. In other words, whatever proceeds out of your mouth, he said you will make that declaration and it will be established unto you. Jesus Christ said the same thing. He said that you will speak to this mountain and the mountain will do what? The mountain will get off from where it is. And move into the sea. That means you have that kind of a power. Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 10. Reading from verse number 19. He said behold I give you authority. 
to trample over serpents and to scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know what? There is a level of power that is available to us as believers. There is a level of power that is available for us that makes us to live a very victorious life. That makes us to live a fulfilled life that is a life that is meaningful. Which means that there is no believer that is supposed to live a defeated life. There is no believer who is supposed to be operating under circumstances. They are supposed to be operating above every circumstances. But the unfortunate thing is that many believers, many believers live a life that is characterized by unfulfilled promises, a disappointment and failure. Every year in, year out, they hope against hope, believing that maybe the Lord will remember them this year. Maybe the Lord Almighty will do something different this year. Maybe the Lord God Almighty will answer my prayer this year. And we carry that hope from Genesis, from, from, from January up till the end of the year. And the Lord Almighty say, it is not supposed to be so. Many believers hear the promise of God, but they never see those promises come to pass. The question is why? Why are we not seeing the miracles that God has spoken about in scripture? Why are we not seeing answers to prayer? Why is it that the things that we said that the Lord told us in January, now in December, those things are not coming to pass? Why is it that the promise of God appears to be an illusion in our individual lives? Why? There's a number of reasons in scripture. But the most prominent reason why we find that the promise of God appears to be elusive is what is recorded in the book of Hosea chapter 4, reading from verse number 6. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That means there are certain things that are available to us, but because we don't know, you cannot take advantage of it. Many of us are living below the promise of the Almighty God, not because God doesn't have the ability to answer prayer, not because God is not longer is no longer in the business of hearing and answering prayer, but because many of us don't know, don't know the promises of the Almighty God. In other words, life is not delivering for the Christian because of the level of ignorance that we the Christians are living by. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse number 19. He said, I give unto you, you know, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, life is supposed not so. Life will not automatically deliver what you are asking. Life will not automatically roll over and begin to give you the blessings that you want. You must have the key. You must understand how life operates. You must have the key to be able to open the doors of the promises of the Almighty God. You must understand how this system operates and be able to key into it. You must understand how to be able to access the treasure house of heaven. Please understand that there's one thing for you to have a key. It's another thing for you to know how to use it. There is one thing for you to have access to the promise of God. It's another thing for you to know how to access those promises. There's one thing for you to know that this is what God wants, wants for me. It's another thing for you to know how to claim it, how to pull them, how to, you know, how to make them a reality in your life. It's one thing to know you have a key. It's another thing to use that key effectively. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But many of us believers have no clue what the keys that the Jesus Christ is talking about. We don't have a clue what that key is. Okay? And let alone, we don't even know how to use those keys. 
You don't know the keys. Many of us have heard about it. We have no clue what those keys are. We don't even know. When we know what those keys are, we don't even know why, how to use it. And that's why throughout this month of December, we are going to be looking at the keys that will unlock our heavens. So that we can begin to enjoy the promises that God has spoken about. We can begin to see those promises happen in our life. One thing I know is that God is not a liar. God is not a man that he should lie. Or the son of man that he should repent. If he has promised you something, he would do it. The question is, why is it that the things that he has promised, why are they not being fulfilled in our lives? Why are they not being fulfilled in our family? And that is why we are talking about it. And so we are going to be exploring this subject because, number one, many of us are operating under closed heavens. In other words, there are so many things that God wants to give to his people, but the problem is that we are not accessing it because we don't know how to open that lock. Number two, we are talking about it because we have limited access to the promise of the Almighty God. We read about them, we hear about them, we know about them, but we are not enjoying them. Number three, we are talking about it because many are discouraged. Why are the churches, or why are the churches empty? Why are people no longer following the Almighty God? Why is the Word of God no longer having the effect that it's supposed to have? Why are people no longer trusting the Lord? Because they are discouraged. They have prayed the same prayer for years and there is no answer. They have looked on the Almighty God, believed Him, uh, believed Him for one miracle or the other, but they are not seeing the result and they are beginning to say, this particular business of God doesn't seem to be working for me. Why should I continue to come to church? Why should I continue to believe? Why should I continue to hope when nothing is happening? And we are talking about this because many of us are just stuck. We are not, we don't know how to make progress. We are just there. We are doing the same thing, hoping that by one way or the other, we will just fall into luck and things will begin to happen in our life. And finally, we are talking about this because we want to be able to break the cycle of impossibility that many of us seem to have gotten into. That cycle of impossibility of doing the same thing over and over and not seeing any different thing. Where nothing is changing. We pray very well, but nothing seems to be happening. We fast, but nothing seems to be happening. We are trusting God, but nothing seems to be happening. There are people who tell us that we need to come to the altar and weep and put money and do all those things. And there seems to be nothing happening. And we want to be able to break that cycle. That's why we are talking about it. But I mean, can you imagine? Have you asked yourself, how can a guy like like Joshua... You are fighting the battle of the Almighty God and say, no, Lord, at this time, I need more time. Let the heavens, let the, let the sun stand still. I mean, that's, how cool can that be? You just walk and say, no, I'm not done yet. This thing will not, this, this day will not come to an end until I get my blessing. This year will not end until I get into the relationship that I'm asking the Lord for. That is basically what Joshua did. You guys are not going, this sun is not coming down until I kill you, all of you. There, there is this power that people like Joshua had that they are able to stop the sun from setting. There is this power that people like Elijah had and say, no, the sun, the, the heavens will be closed for three years until my word, until I come back and tell you otherwise. How are they able to move in that dimension? How are they able to move in that particular power? What do they know? Some people just appear very lucky. Some people, you know, begin to see things fall in place for them. They seem to have all the influence. They seem to know what to do, where to go, what to put their hand, who to talk to. And things just fall in place and places for them. What is the secret? What do they know that you don't know? What are they doing that you are not doing? Okay? What is the secret that they have? What is the key that they are, that they are employing that you are not employing? Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth, you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. 
The question is, what is Jesus talking about? What is he talking about? What are the keys that God has made available to his people to be able to unlock the heavens over their lives, over their family? What are the keys that he has given? And before you begin to understand the keys that God has given, you need to understand the word key. What does it mean? When you talk about key, what does it mean? When we say key, key means, you know, the word key means an instrument that is given to you to be able to gain access, to be able to auto prevent entrance, to be able to have possession or control over something. That's what a key is. It's something that gives you the, that gives you the opportunity to gain access, to gain access or to prevent somebody else from gaining access, to give you possession or to give you control. A key is something that is given, that is given to you to provide explanation or identification or to provide solution. That's what a key is. Something that gives you a solution to a particular problem or gives you access to a place that you need to enter. And now when you understand key in that point of view, you begin to see what Jesus Christ is actually talking about. You begin to understand what Christ is saying. Jesus Christ is basically saying, I will give you a means of gaining access to heaven. I will give you a means of, of, of provide you a solution, a means of finding the solution that you need to be able to get control that you want. Jesus is saying, I will give you a key. That is something that will give you access and control of the kingdom of heaven. So that whatever you look for, whatever you bind, whatever you don't want, you can say, I don't want it. Whatever you want, you can say, this is what I want. That is basically what Jesus is saying. And the question is, what are these keys that Jesus Christ is talking about? And it will surprise you that these keys are the things that you know. Every day you know them. These are the things that you use every day. The only problem is that there is no point in you having a key. If a key is meant to start a car and you are trying to use it to open your door, it will never happen. No matter how much tongue you speak, it will not happen. If you take the key to the front door of your house and you are trying to use it to start your car, you will be there for a very long time. And you pray that policeman doesn't find you there because you are going to explain. Okay? The point we are making is that if you use the wrong key for the wrong door, you will never get access. So what are the keys? The first key that Jesus Christ gave us in the scripture is the key of the truth of the word of God. When you know the word of God, the Bible said that sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. When you know the truth, certain things open up for you. Certain doors open up for you. You find out that nobody is able to cheat you anymore. Nobody's able to tell you cock and bull story. You know exactly where to put your feet and where to go to be able to find the answer that you need to find. The, word, the first key to unlock the treasures of heaven is to know the word of God. Number two, the second key that we have been given is the key of the spirit of the almighty God. Why is that a key? It's because it is the spirit of God that knows the mind of God. He knows exactly what you should be asking, when you should be asking, at the time you should be asking it. That's why the Bible tells us, it said, but the comforter who is the Holy, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. In other words, the spirit of the Almighty God begins to tell you, this is where to go. This is where not to go. This is when to go there. This is when you stay back. This is I mean, there are testimonies of people who are about to get out of their house and the Lord said, no, keep praying. 
When you have, when you are sensitive to that spirit and you are willing to relate to that spirit, the Lord begin to open doors for you. You say things and people begin to wonder, where do you know this thing? How do you know this thing? You go to places and you say, you are there at the right time saying the right things. That is the key that Christ has given unto us. Number three is the key of prayer. The Bible says, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I will do it. In other words, there is nothing that will be given in heaven unless you pray. And that's why you see people when they come to church say pray. Say, that means you are not getting anything, my brother. It doesn't work like that. It is not a wishful thinking. If you read the book of, uh, I think the book of Ezekiel 36 or 37, he said, after giving all the promises unto Israel, he said, I will yet be inquired of this by the house of Israel to do it for them. In other words, you have to ask me. Yes, God knows the end from the very beginning. Yet God knows what you want and what you need. But at the same time, God will not force on you what you have not requested. You have to learn how to pray as a believer. You have to learn how to pray. Because if you don't pray, nothing happens. That is the greatest power that we have been given. Life changes when you pray. Things happen when you pray. When you pray, you begin to see God move on your behalf. God shows up on your side. And that is the key. To opening the lock, to unlocking the heavens over your life. Not only that, the key that unlocks the heaven over your life is the key of holy living. The Bible says, be ye holy just as the Lord God Almighty is holy. The Bible says that sin is an abomination in the eyes of the Almighty God, which means you cannot live a stupid, live a life anyhow. And expect God to keep blessing you. That's why the Bible tells the book of Romans. It says, shall we continue in sin and expect the grace of God to multiply? It never. It's not going to happen. You cannot ever expect the heavens to open when you are living a life that does not glorify the Almighty God. And that's the key that the Lord has given unto us is the key of holiness, the key of righteousness. And then the next one is the key of obedience. The obedience of the obedience to the word of God, obedience to the instruction of the Almighty God. Obedience, the Bible tells in the book of First Samuel, it says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, these are the things that God wants you to do. If you are not willing to obey, why would I commit myself into your care? Why would I, why would I entrust you, entrust unto you the treasures of heaven? The Lord said that if the heavens will open over our life, we must be willing to obey him. Must be willing to obey him. And then another thing is that you have to have that element of giving. The Bible makes sure to understand, say, bring all the time to the storehouse and you that may food in my house and prove me now by it, says the Lord, for if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that you will have no room enough to receive it. There is a blessing that comes from giving. Okay? There is a blessing that comes from sowing a seed in the house of the Almighty God. Look at the woman called Anna. The Bible tells us that at the time when she was praying, she got to a point and said, Lord, I'm willing to sow this child that you are giving unto me. I'm willing to say, Lord God Almighty, here is the child. If you give it to me. The Bible says he dedicated the child even before he was born. Giving it back to the Almighty God. And that was what happened. That was why Samuel was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. When you sow into the hand of the Almighty God. When you give things into his hand. When you commit into his care. You'll find out that the Lord Almighty will protect. And that's why the Bible says Paul the Apostle was talking to the the Philippian Christians. He said, I know that he's able to keep and to preserve those things which I have committed to his care. And that is why anything you give unto him, the Lord is able to keep to the very end. And then finally, the key that unlock heaven is the keys of praise and worship. When you are able to worship the Almighty God, the Bible says, But thou, O Lord, 
But thou art holy, O thou that inhabit the praise of Israel. In other words, when you praise the Almighty God, what happens? His glory comes down, His presence comes down, and things begin to happen in your life. And that is why they tell you, praise Him even when things are going well. Praise Him when things are not going very well. Because it has that particular power to unlock the heavens. The enemy wants you to be sad. The enemy wants you to blame the Almighty God. But God is saying that the key to opening the windows of heaven over your life is when you praise the Lord. Just try it at work. I'm not saying you become a kiss off to your boss. But genuinely praise somebody. Genuinely give compliment to that person. When you see that person, you will see that. When that person sees you, the smile towards you will be different. The way they relate to you will be different. Why? Because you are complimenting them. You are building them up. You are reminding them how good and how wonderful they are. And in the process, maybe that's the only good thing they've ever heard in that day. And things begin to happen. They begin to give you favor. Uncommon favor begin to open. Doors begin to open. The way you unlock the treasures of heaven is number one, to know the truth of the word of God. To depend and be sensitive to the word of the Holy Spirit. To learn how to pray. To live a holy life. To obey the word of mighty God. To give generously and to praise him lavishly. That is how you get these things done. Many of us are familiar with these keys. If you have been in church, you have heard these things a million times. But the question is that why are they powerful? Can you just go in there and say, I praise, I praise, I praise. And if the fact that you are just praising, praise doesn't mean that it's going to work. These things are powerful, number one, because they are spiritual tools that God wants you to have. They are spiritual truth. Number two, they are powerful because they follow spiritual laws. They are powerful because they access spiritual realities. That's why they are powerful. Okay, They are powerful because they give you power over your situation. Forget about the spiritual element of things. Let's just assume that you decide and you make up your mind that I'm going to have a positive attitude regardless of what the enemy throws at me. You will find out that even in that particular situation, things will happen because people will look at you and say, despite all the trouble that life is throwing at you, you are still moving forward. So he has this particular power to lift you over your situation. These things are powerful because they give you the presence and the revelation of the Almighty God. When you access the key properly, the Bible says that as Jehoshaphat began to praise the Almighty God, the Lord God Almighty stepped into the situation and began to fight their battles for them. When you know how to employ this key, God gives you divine revelation. God begins to give you divine provision. God begins to minister to you in a wonderful way. Doors that you never expect will begin to open when you know how to access this key and employ them correctly. The interesting thing is that these keys, like I said, are available for every child of God. There is no excuse for you not to read it. There's no excuse for you not to praise God. There's no excuse for you not to give to the things of God. There's no excuse for you not to be able to kneel down and pray. No excuse to be able to live a holy life. No excuse to be able to obey the word of God. These keys are available. Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom. That whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. These things are there. They are available. But the reality is that not every child of God knows how to use it. And the big question is, how then can you be, how can you access, how can you get these keys and use them effectively? Number one, there has to be a burning desire in your heart. A desire that I want to see the heavens over my life open. And I'm willing to do what it takes to get that heaven open. And the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, it says, ask and it shall be given unto you, seek and you will find. That means it's not just enough for you to desire it, you must ask. 
You must ask the Lord to give you the spirit of prayer. You must ask the Lord to give you the spirit of holiness. You must ask the Lord to give you the spirit to, that is able to obey, that is sensitive to the spirit of the Almighty God. You must ask the Lord Almighty to give you the desire to read His word. You must ask, and you must seek. And not only that, you must knock the doors so that the Lord God Almighty can open the treasures of heaven unto you. And when you do it, I keep telling people, God is not a magician. You have to wait. And the Bible tells us that you should not be sluggish. But you should imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. In other words, it's not the minute that you go down on your knees and you start praying that the heavens will come. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes there's a lot of things going on. If you enter a very, very junky room, I don't want to mention names here, but there are some rooms that when you enter, oh my God, you wonder how they sleep in those particular rooms. But if you are finding something in that room, you will probably have to do a lot of work. You first of all have to be able to take the clothes, arrange them before you get to the bottom to find out where the socks is lying. That is the same thing that God is saying. There are so many junk in our life that the Lord Almighty cannot just come here and fix everything. He has to first of all begin the work of arrangement. Put certain things here. Put certain things there. Put, arrange your shelf. Arrange your bathroom before he can now get you to the place where he can answer your prayer. But you want it overnight. If you want it overnight, begin the work. Start cleaning up. So there must be patience if we are going to use and get the keys of heaven. That is how you get hold of it. But my brothers and sisters, the father, you have the key does not mean you know how to use it. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.